And we've been just talking about what, what it means to uh, work generationally, one generation with another. And, and we believe that, that, that the church is meant to be generational. Um, that, that, that somehow we, we as a body aren't meant to be just older or just meant to be younger, but, but somehow supernaturally God can bring us together, different generations, to make an impact, to make a difference for His kingdom. Much like a family is generational, God can bring us together, older and younger, those in between, and, and somehow use this place uh, to, to mold us into the image that he desires for us. That, that, that younger folks learn from older folks and older folks learn from younger folks. That, that, that somehow throughout this process, it is a, it, it, it's, it's something where we work together. And, uh, and so this is the ideal of the series. And, and, and today we're going to talk about leadership. Generationally, generationally shared leadership is the biblical model. And when I say generationally shared leadership, I mean older to younger shared leadership is the typical model you see in the Bible. You see it over and over. You, you, you see it from the beginning that when God begins through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Esau, there is, there is this, this connection from one generation to the next, that, that faith and leadership is passed on. You, you see it in Moses and Joshua. You have this great story of Exodus and then this great possession of the promised land. And so you have Moses passing on leadership to Joshua. You, you see it with Elijah and Elisha. You, you, you see this generationally shared leadership where the older takes responsibility and invests in the younger and the leadership is passed on. I, I believe you see it clearly in the ministry of Jesus. Um, when, when, when we consider, we, we look at the pictures we see in our mind, I think sometimes we see contemporaries of Jesus that, that, that are working uh, with him, that, it's, that they're all close to the same age, but, but I believe maybe that's a misconception, uh, particularly when you consider that John lived at nearly 90 AD. Uh, so, so most likely, these disciples that Jesus poured his life into we're younger men, uh, maybe older teenagers, maybe, maybe 14, 15. But, but Jesus poured his life into younger individuals. And so you have this model through Jesus of pouring his life into the life of someone else. And so over and over in the Bible, you, you, you see this example of generational leadership where, where an older individual where will pour their life into a younger individual and, and just continue the, the purposes of God and, and continue the mission of God in that way. Now, shared leadership, if we're going to lead in this way, shared leadership requires us to pour our lives into others. In other words, if we're going to lead in this way, if, if we're going to be leaders in this capacity, it's not going to be passive, and it's not going to always be easy, and it's not always going to be comfortable, but it's going to require that we pour our lives into someone else. And, and, and most in this room, if not all in this room, have experienced that. We're, we're at work or at home or in, in a friendship, you have poured your life into someone else. And so if we're going to lead generationally, if we're going to be a church that's known for leading generationally, and I believe we are, and if we're going to continue that, that great generational leadership that we, we see that we're reaping the, 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 the fruit of now, if we're going to continue that, 
Uh, we need to be able and willing to pour our lives into others. And, and we've been using uh, last week, and we'll use next week as, as well, this example of Paul and Timothy. Uh, Paul and Timothy is probably one of the best known examples and perhaps the best example uh, of an older leader pouring his life into a younger leader and, and, and continuing this generational leadership. And there's several aspects of, of Paul and Timothy's relationship, which I believe are important. If we're going to consider what it means to, to lead generationally and to invest in the life of, of other folks in that way, there, there's several things I believe you see in the life of Paul and in his connection with Timothy that, that I believe help us understand what it means to pour in the life of others. And the first is this commitment. If we are going to pour ourselves into the life of others, it takes a commitment on our part to the other person. Now, now you see this in the scripture with regard to Timothy, Acts 16, 1 through 3, and it's going to be on the screen. Uh, Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and, bre- and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. Uh, the brothers at Lystra and Iconium uh, spoke well of him. Uh, Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And so you see the beginning of this relationship, and, and this is just a snapshot. This is just the very beginning of Paul's relationship with Timothy. But, but you see this commitment. That, that I, Timothy, I believe in you, I see something in you, and I am going to make the commitment to you to invest in you. Now, I would submit, I would, I would um, suggest that when you see, you read the book of Acts, and you read of Paul's journeys with Timothy, and you read First and Second Timothy, and you read the totality of Scripture with regard to this relationship, commitment to one another is one of the key elements of the relationship. Paul was committed to Timothy. You know, the other side of that coin was Timothy was committed to Paul. See, see, this isn't just an older commitment. This, this isn't just someone who is older has this responsibility. But, but younger folks, if, if you want to be led generationally, you need to be committed to some people who will invest their lives in you. It's not just a one-way street. And so Timothy and Paul were committed to one another. They were in this relationship with one another, this long-term relationship. As a matter of fact, Paul refers to Timothy in the opening of 1 Timothy and in the opening of 2 Timothy. He says, Timothy, my true son in the faith. So, so in other words, Paul's saying, I, I want you to understand, Timothy, when I look at you, I am as committed to you as I am to a son. Those of us who have children in, in the room, we understand what that phrase means. To, to say, you are my son in the faith, I don't believe Paul's using those terms lightly, but I believe Paul is giving the, the level of his commitment to Timothy. Let me ask you, are you willing if we, want, if we want to be a generational church, are you willing to commit to someone of another generation? 
older folks, are, are you willing to, to, to commit, to, to, to be part of someone's life, to, to make that commitment through good times and bad times, through the easy and the hard, through the ups and the downs, are you willing to commit? Younger folks, are, are you willing to commit to relationship? Commitment takes time. Commitment takes all those, you know, it takes time and energy and, and effort. Are you, are you willing? The second thing is investment. Not only were they committed to one another, but, but Paul invested himself in the life of Timothy. He, 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 he placed himself significantly. He taught, he, he encouraged, he shared. He was part of Timothy's life. And, and, and the things that Paul knew, Paul invested in Timothy's life. 2 Timothy 3, 10-11. You, however, know about all my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, and sufferings. In other words, in this scripture, you see that, that Paul said, Listen, Timothy, I've not held anything back from you. In this commitment that we have one with another, I have fully invested myself in you. I'm counting on you, and I'm invested in you. Let me ask you, are you you willing to be committed and to invest in the life of someone of another generation? Now, now I believe that primarily when when we're talking about generational leadership, I believe for this to work, we we have to recognize that that there's, there's people that have had leadership and expertise that have been through some of the battles and through some of the wars. If you've been to the school of hard knocks, raise your hand, right? You understand what I'm saying? There's some of us that have been through these things and and there's some things that we have understanding of and some experience in that that we have something to offer. Amen? 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 And so we're, we're talking about primarily generational leadership. Those of us with a little bit more gray in our hair and maybe a little bit more flesh on our head, uh, I don't know, how, how, however you roll there, to be willing to depart some of that experience to someone with a little bit less. But that does not mean, but that does not mean that generations don't learn from one another. So, see, I, I think the problem you have or you can have when we begin to to focus on these kind of things is sometimes in my in my mind my experience and my training and my life can trump the life of the younger person and the truth is folks if you're younger you can learn from older and if you're older we can learn from younger we can learn, truly learn from each, week, each other. Now, now, next week, we're going to talk about empathy. And, and, and I believe empathy is key when we're talking about this shared leadership, this, this willingness to invest in others. I, I believe empathy is the key to understanding that a different life experience can, can be educational to us. So are we willing? to learn from one another? Are we willing to, to, to allow each other to invest in us? And the third thing is this, release. And I think this is the hardest thing of all. This willingness to release those we've invested in 
to do things in their own way. <laughs> Anybody ever experienced that? Um, Spencer's not here. I'll talk about mowing the lawn. Spencer cannot mow the lawn as good as I can, all right? But I've released him to mowing the lawn, right? Uh, we, we all experience this, these things that we let go of so that other people can do it. Um, um, you, you know, to release someone to serve means that you're not going to micromanage every decision that they make. That you have a realization that they may have a different ideal and different vision of what you're trying to accomplish. That, that, that in, in your mind, they might even be doing it lesser than you would. Anybody ever have anything like that at work or at home? That, that, that is to release. To release, you've committed, you've invested, and you have released this person to serve, to lead, to use their level of expertise in the way that God has intended them to use their level of expertise. It's not easy, is it? <laughs> it's not easy to let go of things. But you see this in the life of Paul and Timothy. Paul leaves Timothy at Ephesus. And he says, Timothy, don't let them look down at you because you're young. Timothy, you are the pastor. You are the leader. Hey, here's some things you need to do and some things. He doesn't leave him alone. He doesn't, he doesn't just leave him without any instruction. But, but Paul leaves Timothy as the pastor of Ephesus. Timothy serves, and, and, and Timothy is the sole pastor there. And, and then in, in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 2, Paul says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead in view of His appearing in His kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. <laughs> you know, anytime I read that verse or hear that verse, I think of being ordained. That's, that, that's what they say to us pastors as, as we're being ordained. They say, okay, preach the word. You, you have authority over the elements. And, and, and it's this releasing, this handing over of authority. Paul's doing this with Timothy. Preach the word. Be the leader. That's a scary thing, isn't it? <laughs> to, to release this church. Ephesus is one of those churches that, that's pretty dear to Paul's heart. But Paul had to release that church to Timothy. Andy Stanley has a book called, I believe it's called The Seven, pra seven Effective Practices or seven, seven Practices of Effective Churches. And the seventh step of an effective practice, and you see this in all sorts of literature, business literature, you see this in church literature, and you know, the truth of it is, is this, God's truth is so good that sometimes the world seizes God's truth, <laughs> right? And the truth is, replace yourself. That, that, that all of us should be working through the ideal that we are replacing ourselves. That, that someone can step up and what we're doing, they can do and they can continue uh, the, the ministry that we're part of. And, and this releasing is a replacing of Paul. Now, now throughout Paul's literature, there, there's times he calls him Timothy, my son. 
And then you get to Romans 16, 21, and, and Paul says, Timothy, my fellow worker. <laughs> and so there's that process, that, the, the, the progression of Paul's relationship with Timothy, where Timothy moves from someone that he's committed to, that he's invested in, that he's the son of him in the faith, and, and Paul begins to see him as not only a son, but he's my fellow worker. He, he, he's my partner in the ministry. You realize that, that, that what we're talking about here is how God works in the life of his people as well. <laughs> that, that, that God commits and God invests and God, God releases us to serve him. That, that, that God puts us in the ministry and, and we're not only just servants of the most high God, but he, he releases, to be us, releases us to be partners in ministry. Jesus tells the disciples in their end, I'm not calling you my slaves, but you're my brothers. That, that, that somehow, through, through the work of the Holy Spirit, God doesn't just invite us to be a slave for Him, but God invites us to be fellow workers of Him in the world. And so you see this, this generational process we're talking about is the process of God with His people. And so we're mirroring God in doing this. But, but, but when we release someone, that's not the end. There, there, there's also this continuing process of encouragement. That, that, you know, we don't just leave them on their own and, and, and never, never bother them again. But, but there is this level of encouraging them along the way, uh, ma- making sure they know that they're prayed for, they're loved. Do you guys appreciate being prayed for and loved and, and not just left on your own? Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.1, he says, you then, my son, be strong in grace that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, in these letters, and, and once again, I, I would submit that all these letters that, that Paul's writing to Timothy are an example of his encouragement to him. He, he's just not going to leave him in Ephesus. You know, he's invested, he's told him all that he needs to know, but he's not going to just leave him in Ephesus on his own. But, but Paul is going to continue to encourage him along the way. To, to walk beside him, even from afar, he's going to walk beside him and encourage him in his leadership. Leadership and expertise are gifts that must be passed on. And those of you who are mature in your faith, those of you who have been around for a while, that leadership that you have, that, that expertise that you have is a gift from God that He's asking you to pass on to someone else. That, that, that it, it doesn't just end with you, but He's asking you to pass it on to someone else. So let me ask you, what are your areas of leadership and expertise. Where where has God given you authority, power, influence? You know, leadership is nothing more than influence. And and leadership can be formal or informal. And sometimes formal leadership isn't even leadership. I I mean, just because I'm your pastor doesn't mean I lead. John Maxwell says, if you're leading and no one's following, you're not leading, you're out for a walk, right? And so leadership is that, leadership at its core is influence. You know, it's not about a title, it's not about a position, but it's about influence. Where is your areas of influence? Formal and informal. 
Maybe it's in family. Maybe it's in church. Maybe it's, maybe it's in neighborhood. Maybe it's at your workplace. Where are your areas of influence? That is a gift from God. And those, those leadership capacities, those leadership opportunities that God has given you, He has given you the, the like opportunity to pass on to someone else. To, to think of who can I replace myself with? If I cease to be, who could I invest in in a way that they can take up my role if I'm gone? Now, now this is important in families. <laughs> you, you ever have that, you ever see that family where there's that one rock? You guys know what I'm talking about? They, they have that one member that's a rock and that member passes on, and it's like the family just goes, Shoo. I think it's possible in a family that, that, that someone who, who is in that, that role could see themselves as needing to pass that on to someone else. Who, who, who's next? But it's particularly important in the church. It's particularly important in the church. That, n- number one, it's important in the church because we all need somebody to walk beside us. And in the church, what I found is that oftentimes people work themselves half to death oftentimes, that once they become part or begin in a role, many times in churches, it's 20, 25, 30 years, and this person is carrying this load all by themselves, and it wears them out. And I have seen that even in a church as strong and as good as this church. I've seen people who have literally worked themselves to a frazzle um, and not have anybody walking beside them. So, so who in your life, who, who if, can you invest in? If you're serving in ministry, if you're, if you're serving in your family, if you're serving in your community, if you're serving at work, who can you invest in? Who can you disciple to fill your void? And expertise. And, and expertise are those things that, that, that we, we, our particular skills, the things that, that, that God has gifted us with, with knowledge or God has gifted us with, with, with the skill or the empathy or the emotional intelligence to deal in a certain situation. What, what are your areas of expertise? All of us have areas, of, all of us are gifted in some ways, all of us have areas of expertise, and, and who can you invest in? Now, now, we've got a couple things, a couple ways that you can um, connect to other generations. You say, well, Pastor, I, I, don't, I don't know anyone under 50 unless they're in my family. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, you know, you know, the kids are over there and the, the teens are here and there and we have two services. Pastor, how can I get to know other people in the church? And, and so we have two opportunities for you. Uh, next week is our all-church picnic. And, and, and what's your assignment? Does anybody remember what your assignment is for, for the picnic? Learn a joke. Learn a joke. Learn one joke and tell 10 people you don't know your joke, okay? And, and if, you don't, if you don't know where to find any jokes, go see Jay, and, and Jay will give you a joke. And uh, I want you to find 10 people that you don't know, preferably people that may di- be different generationally than you, and tell them your joke. 
And then after you tell them your joke, you might tell them your name, okay? And begin to build some relationships with people beyond our typical social circle. See, humans are kind of funny beings. We, we kind of have our comfort zones, and, and most people are like that. Uh, there, there's some people like Terry Moore that don't know a stranger, and they are, they're just all over the place. But most of us find our comfortable zones, and we just stick in those zones. And what I'm encouraging you to do next week is to try to find some people and begin to build relationships, begin to know people beyond your generation, beyond your Sunday school class, beyond your social circle. Now, we do have some needs. We, we need some grillers, right? And, and when I say grillers, I'm not talking about those teeth that people wear. We're talking about grills. And we've got two, right? Two? Boston's is saying that they're going to come and grill, and that would be great, so we're going to follow up with that. But I think we need to be prepared, and so if you're willing to bring a grill and grill, um, see Maria, see me, and we'll, we'll make sure that, that we get you there. So we do have some needs there. And the other thing is October 30th, we're going to have our fifth Sunday generation service. We don't know what that's going to look like, so that should be exciting to you, right? Yeah, you guys don't look too excited about it. Kim and Josh are actively working on this. And, and, and this isn't a kid service. This isn't a teen service. This is a generational service. And I know some of you are tempted to say, oh, this is about kids and this is about teens. This is when I'll visit or when I'll sleep in or when I'll miss. And, and if you're thinking that, you're missing the entire point of what we're trying to accomplish here. Just... If you've been around the church for a while, does anybody remember a day when there was no such thing? And I'm not bashing these things. I think they're good things. Does anybody remember a day when there was no such thing as children's church or anything like that, and everybody just had to go to church together? Anybody raised like that? You know, when I grew up, there was no such thing as children's church. And when I misbehaved in church, and, and you guys will all feel sorry for me, my mom would take me to a dark room and make me sit in the dark room with her. That, that was my children's church. So trust me, I liked church. <laughs> there used to be a day in the church when we were all together. And, and, and there's many reasons that we do children's church. There's many reasons we have youth services. And they're all valid. But there's also a valid need that we spend some time together together, worshiping together, learning together. And so for, for those of you who are tempted to say, oh, I don't have grandkids or I don't have teens or, you know, I don't, I don't know anybody in that group, we need you. And, and not only do we need you, you need them. Right. We need each other. Stand with me if you will. October 30th. What's the date? Okay. Service will be at 10 a.m., There'll be no Sunday school. There'll be no 8.30 service. So you guys get to sleep an hour and a half longer. Shout praise the Lord, okay? Um, if you're here at 8.30, the doors will be locked and the lights will be out because pastor will be sleeping an hour and a half longer too, okay? 10 a.m. And then after that, we're going to have a meal in the family fel the, the fellowship hall together. 10 a.m. Say, what time is it? And what's the date? The fall. Somebody said the uh, October 30th. And so um, we're looking forward to that. What? What'd you say? It's October 29th. 
<laughs> yeah, don't come on Monday. Uh, let's start, everybody sit down, I have to start the whole sermon over. <laughs> uh, October 29th, what day is it? Is that right? Fifth Sunday. Fifth Sunday. Are we, are we, we'll figure it out. You guys all know we go to church on Sunday, not Monday, right? And we go to church on Sunday because Jesus rose. Jesus rose on Sunday. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity to gather and, and just talk about leadership and how leadership can be shared. Uh, Lord, we, we want to be a generational church. We really do. We, we, we don't want to be a church that, that ignores the needs and the maturity and the gifts of our older folks. And we don't want to be a church that ignores the gifts and the possibilities of our younger folks. And Lord, we don't want to do this independent of one another, but somehow through the power of your spirit, we want to do this together. Lord, I, I can think of my life, of those who've invested in me, that have seen me as a younger man and have encouraged me and, and walked beside me. And, and Lord, I'm thankful for the example of each. Lord, I pray that that we'll do the same. And Lord, if you tarry and 20 years from now, 30 years from now, this church, as it still exists, there'll be people who'll be talking about people who are sitting in this room and how they invested in their lives. Help us, Lord. Keep us strong in you. Keep us focused on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless.